Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of the London Circle where today I'll be talking with Masoud Shajara, the Director of Islamic Human Rights Commission in London. We're going to be discussing the current global system, how it's rigged in favor of the powerful and against the downtrodden. We're going to be discussing about future outlooks and how we can save ourselves, but also everyone else from the scourge of what has befallen Gaza and the implications thereof. Enjoy. For so long now, for years, since World War II, the West has been the bastion of human rights. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights is taught at uh, academic institutions, at universities, is hung up in very prominent places around the world. It's seen as the benchmark of the pinnacle of human achievement, how you know, human rights has been codified, has been institutionalized. We talk about other countries and their violations of human rights. We have set up international tribunals and courts in order to take to task those who dare violate human rights at will. Human rights is uh, an, the, the golden standard, if you wish, of what we would uh, um, term the Western civilization. Yet, for the past three months, we have seen uh, not human rights in terms of the code, but humanity be violated day in, day out, day in, day out in Gaza, whilst the entire world watches on. No one is mentioning human rights. No one is talking about that benchmark, that golden standard. We're not threatening a violator of human rights with any kind of action or retribution. What does that say for, for us? for the world population, for the West. What does it say for human rights? Are we, are we in danger now of entering a phase whereby whatever, whatever happens, happens, whoever holds the gun is right, might is right? What, what, how do you see human rights in, in today's world? Well, um, what you're saying is true, but um, I would just put it in the context that we have created an illusion. What you're saying has always been an illusion. It's not that uh, it's now we are uh, undermining it. We're only undermining the illusion. It's always been an illusion. Look, when we had a, a sort of declaration of human rights, sort of, Universal Declaration. Universal Declaration, how was it created in reality? It was created by Mrs. Roosevelt being the head, who's a racist, uh, you know, self-confessed racist, and a bunch of countries uh, which were not really representing the whole universal uh, sort of world. It was a small group of people from the East and the West and come together, came up with a, with a principle which none of them had any intention of following. For many, many years, it was just put on the shelf to take dust because, you know, the veto power, the, you know, they knew there is no way that this declaration, this principle, is going to be allowed to be used against them. It was only 
a principle to be used by them against the third parties and against each other. And then it became, then, you know, for many years, many sincere people try to sort of go through the international community and set up infrastructure to deal with uh, sort of crimes that are being committed. But the whole structure of veto power and, and the, the internationalization of courts and so forth was all designed to not affect the main parties, neither the Soviet Union or the U.S. bloc or Western bloc. And then uh, we saw uh, what happened was the fall of Soviet Union. It was very exciting. <laughs> we have to say it was very exciting. Political we, theater of the highest standard. Right. We, we thought now is the moment. You know, I remember going to, um, to Durban. Uh, at, at that time, you know, the, the the UN conference on racism. And we went and part of our team was the Natarakata sort of rabbis, uh, three, Rabbi Wise and uh, two others. And their badges said uh, Rabbi Yusuf Wise, Islamic Human Rights Commission. <laughs> and it was really exciting. We were standing and with placard saying Muslims and Jews are united against Zionism why can't you, you know? And it was a very powerful message. What happened, you know, is, is history is well recorded. Uh, the, uh, the NGO forum actually identified Israel as a racist apartheid state. Which year was this? That was um, 81. And, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 2001. Sorry, 2000, 2001. Yeah. It was um, it was in September just before 9/11, and uh, we were very excited. I mean, the whole um, NGO forum and UN was excited. Israel walked out. United States walked out because of all the right way the international community was going, and then we came back. And two days later, 9/11 happened. And it shattered all, everything. everything, all, you know, we, we actually thought that that's it. You know, we, we are now walking in a direction which many of us felt the human rights and international community and UN needs to go down. And, uh, you know, everything was turned upside down. You see, what I want to say is that if indeed this was an illusion, this human right, international community, UN, and so forth and so on, then there was no need for Islamic Human Rights Commission to be set up. We set it up because of that uh, sort of uh, difference between the hypocrisy of what was being said and what was being done. You know, I remember at that time, few of us that came together to set up IHRC, we actually were looking and we were seeing 80% of those who are oppressed, according to UN sort of uh, facts and figures, uh, were Muslims. And uh, some of them were being oppressed by so-called fellow Muslims, like in Egypt and elsewhere. Some of them were being oppressed by non-Muslims, like Chechnya, like Bosnia, like Kashmir, like Palestine, and, and, and. So it wasn't, you know, it didn't matter who were the oppressors, but the oppressed, 80% of them were Muslim. And even then, before 9-11, every time something went wrong, the fingers were pointing at Muslims. If you remember, 
Oklahoma bombing. I do. Right. I mean, you know, they said, uh, you know, ugly, uh, yeah. you know, Islamic bomb, ugly uh, sort of I face of the, Islam. The, I remember the uh, front page of the Daily Mail. The next, uh, the the very next day, of a big picture of the of the of the of the building that was bl blown up, and in the name of Allah, yeah. was blazoned on the front page of the Daily yeah. Mail. Islamic bomb. I mean, what is Islamic about a bomb? Does it pray five times a day and you know fast during the month of Ramadan? I mean, you know, this is it, it's ridiculous. I mean, anyone who suggests. And that the you know a bomb a tool like that will become Islamic or you know Christian or or uh, or Hindu or or uh, Judaism it, it really is crazy concept. It's there to just promote the demonization of Muslims, which has happened before 9/11. 9/11 wasn't the start of it. It happened long before 9-11, and it continued and escalated by every event that has taken place. It actually has given um, the racist an uh, opportunity to demonize. And we know demonization is one of the first uh, things S that steps. are need steps needed to create the environment for genocide and genocidal act. And this happened in Germany, this happened in Bosnia, this happened in Myanmar, this is happening everywhere. And now it's happening on international level in, a, in such an escalation that is unbelievable. Look what is happening in Palestine, look what is happening in India. You know, the, the Hindutva and, and the way, uh, I mean, the demonization process is so escalated, is really one step before genocide whilst, starts taking whilst place. Whilst the world watches on and almost says nothing whatsoever. Forget about the world watching. I mean, you're absolutely right that those who are the flag bearer of, of human, human rights, rights and, and justice and, and international and... Uh, law which is really all hypocritical because look what they did in in Afghanistan look what they did in, in Iraq, Iraq. Yeah. you know remember you know what what they did anywhere i mean where has the international community has gone or western nations have gone have created any peace or tranquility they only have shattered it anywhere they want but the point here is that it's not just what they doing is how how abysmally we as Muslims have failed. Are you talking about regimes, Arab well, Muslim I, I would, regimes? I mean, Muslim are regimes about... are as bad as their counterparts uh, in, 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 the, in the West. I'm talking about the Muslim community as a whole. You know, um, we have failed to rise up. I mean, where is the... You know, I, I'm always uh, sort of finding it very difficult that with all the level of Islamophobia that is happening in Britain and elsewhere, have we had one demonstration against Islamophobia? Forget about everybody else, but we Muslims, have we gathered and organized one demonstration anywhere in Britain, Europe, or United States, or anywhere else? I can't remember one. I have failed to see one. And then you get it on the other side, the Zionists, while they're committing and supporting genocide, 
and apartheid and illegal occupation, they have the audacity to come into the street and claim that they are being targeted as anti-Semite. Now, you know, it, that you can't blame it on uh, sort of leaders yeah. of Muslim or governments, or governments and so forth. It really comes back to us. How... Uh, how articulate are we? How serious are we? How uh, in-depth do we have understanding what is happening to us? It's, uh, I mean, this all is fine and proper, but it leaves me with a question. And that is, on the strategic aspect, we as a human race, do we still need a codified human rights declaration? Do we still... Let me put, put it like this. You just said the problem is not with the words. The problem is with the, with the actions. The problem is the West put forward this Universal Declaration of Human Rights. However, they did that with whatever hands or whomsoever's hands. We had this. But then the problem is that the West put it in order so that it could use it as a stick against others rather than for a tool to be used universally as a benchmark for everyone to abide by. That's fine. So the problem is with the bearer. The problem is with the, those with power, those with influence, those with armies that can occupy the world. Those are the ones who are to blame. So are you saying that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights as a document is important and it's something that the world can agree to abide by, can come together and deal with each other civilly. It's the problem with the people themselves. It's the problem with the powerful governments. It's, it's a problem, let's name it with the US, the UK, France, Germany, and a, and a list of probably 10 countries around the world. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's both. I mean, uh, look, um, uh, I, I think um, when you have an idea, the idea is a very good idea that we should have a, a concept of conscious for humanity. And it's like you know, when, uh, who was it that was uh, Gandhi? Gandhi? When he yeah. was asked about Western democracy, what he thinks, he said, "Well, it's an interesting idea." Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, on the same note, I want to say that this is a good idea, but it was, it was created for a different purpose. It was created as a tool for uh, oppression. It wasn't created as an idea to take us from where we are into a environment and a, a culture which is better than what we have. There are problems with the universal declaration. One is that if it's universal, then it needs to be universally, universally applied. applied or and universally uh, implemented and, 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 and put together. A small group of countries came up with this idea and then became a, a, a sort of a religion that you actually have to accept it or you're blaspheming against. It became a colonial tool in a post-colonial uh, era. And you, and, and you can't change it. So uh, people from uh, global south, people from a Muslim background and so forth, they had no input into no this. No say. And no say and no way to reform it. And yet they're beaten over the heads with it every Absolutely. single day. I mean, look, there is a first generation uh, human rights declaration, and there is second, uh, third, and fourth. You know, uh, and and those are being ignored 
But, you know, for example, um, land right, water right, you know, these are really fundamental basic human right concepts. And it's been denied, you know, to, to people who are being the colonialism and the new colonialism is, is abusing them by these, uh, ignoring these fundamental rights. You know, I mean, I mean uh, look, I think if you're going to sort of go for concept of human rights, for example, on something I've been arguing for a very long time, for example, in, in the world now, today, in the West and elsewhere, having a bank account it's a fundamental human right. You can't really survive without a bank account. You know, you can't have a job. You can't actually pay for accommodation. You can't pay for anything. You know, you can't pay all these things in cash. And, and so having a bank account is fundamental right, but it's not recognized as a fundamental right, even in Europe or in Britain and, and elsewhere. So really, these fundamental rights are only rights of certain people, not everybody. So that's one thing, and I think is we need to be understand. But also all the institutions, inter including international courts, the UN, and so forth, they are all colonial tools. They are not tools in hands of me and you and, and ordinary people to use them. I mean, look at the situation we've got right now with the ICC. You know, um, you know, the prosecutor gets up and goes to occupied. Um, Palestine spends three days down there, most of it with the Zionist mm, institution Tel and, and Tel Aviv and everywhere else, listening to um, you know cries of uh, so-called victims, and then spends one hour not in Gaza but in West Bank and gives ten minutes for the Palestinians to articulate uh, as a victim. It's outrageous. How can we possibly? expect anything uh, resembling justice to come out of an institution like that. There's no way. So I, I or with the UN, with the uh, sort of veto powers and so forth, these are very good ideas, but they are they have become the tools of the oppressors. I, uh, I mean, I, I have to say that I agree with the, with everything that you've said, and I, I give an example. It might might be a parable, but but it, it's it's a. I think it's a useful analogy. There was a time, and particularly around 9/11, you know, during the 90s, and then 9/11 happened, and then therefore thereafter, there was talk about democratization, and in fact, the pursuit of the invasion and occupation of Iraq was, if you remember Condoleezza Rice at the time, time after time after, it became the buzzword, democratization, democratization. And Iraq was going to be that beacon of democracy in the entire region whereby other nations and other states will yearn to be the same. Look at Iraq now, more than 20 years on. Democratization. I forget when the last time I heard the word democratization ever being said. I forget. It was used to justify a war, to justify a colonial project, a modern colo colonial project, and that was it. It was done away with. And now no more talk about democracy, no more talk. The Arab Spring, we had democracy then, but then we saw what happened in Egypt. We saw now what's happening in Tunisia, what's happened in you know various other countries. Libya. Libya. I mean, Syria, so, so, yeah. so you, I mean, it's, it's a fad. At best, it's a fad. Yeah, but, but the mm. thing is, this is what worries me. How do you hold 
governments, international actors, those with power, how do you hold them to account? If, if we agreed that the premise is faulty, is at fault, is problematic here in the case of, uh, of, of, the, of human rights, of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, where do we go? Look, I, as I said, uh, these have all been illusions. You know, um, you know. I, I remember uh, after uh, 9-11 how things, how we were hopeful that we will see some sort of uh, implementation of justice. And, uh, you know, I, uh, if you remember, Ken was the mayor at, yeah, at that Ken time. Livingston. And yeah. he was very positive, you know, the way, you know, the meetings we had, you had, and, and so forth and so on. We, we actually were energized that, look, there is a hope, you know, and that hope shattered. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, we have failed as a human being, as Muslims and as, as an opposition, uh, as uh, people who will try to have a different view of the world and where we want to end up uh, in an in a environment of healthy environment rather than environment of hate and so forth and so on. We fail to recognize that this system is fixed to go the direction that is going. And we need to have an alternative system. We need to work for our alternative system. We actually felt that there is a hope of working within yeah. that system. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and I was an absolute believer in that. Right. But I think we, we actually were wrong because we, did, we were bought in into that illusion when that was only an illusion. I actually think we need to have an alternative. We need to have a decolonial sort of perspective of the world's view. And we need to create uh, infrastructures which are decolonial, not colonial, massaged to address, uh, you know, the beast is not going to address the needs of the ordinary people. We need to recognize that. When I say we, I don't mean just me and you, I mean, we as, as opposition who have woken up to the reality that this colonial system will only do what any colonial system will do, and we need to replace it. Do you agree with me that, and I'm eternally an optimist and eternally seeing the, the glass half full, do you not see that this is a potential for humanity to come together? Because the victims, are everyone they i mean we you're an islamic human rights uh, commission um i work with a muslim organization for instance but to be perfectly honest what you're saying is that basically the vast majority of humankind are affected negatively absolutely by how you know these institutions are in a way i'm going to use this word that you didn't use Rigged, yeah. rigged against the poor, against the weak, against the vulnerable, against the downtrodden and the such, and play squarely in the best interests of the powerful. These are games that have been created to serve. So, is this a not purpose. an opportunity? It is, but I, it only becomes an opportunity when we realize that we need to create alternatives. You see, um, Look, we, we talked about uh, the fall of communism and uh, what happened in Durban. Um, I really, honestly, uh, was so charged being there 
that I thought, this is it, you know, this is it. Because uh, what was the problem was on one side, you know, Soviet Union and on the other side, United States. And this created a, a conflict which undermined the ability of the world to rise up and uh, become uh, internationalist and to address the humanity and the needs and aspiration of it. But I was wrong because even without uh, Soviet Union as a power, United States wasn't going to give up its colonial tendencies and colonial projects. You know, and, and if it was the only power in the world, it would still be abusive. So we need to change all that. What I really want for our next generation, we're getting sort of yes. past it now, honestly. The next generation, I don't want them to be fooled in the way that we will fooled. And I use the word fooled um, to sort of see that there is a possibility to reform this abusive structure, colonial uh, legacy. We need to replace it. And, and you know, let's go to something like the, the issue of Islamophobia. You know, Islamophobia doesn't only affect Muslims. Yes. Islamophobia, like, you know, this otherization, which has happened before in, in, in the sort of uh, 30s uh, Jewish community, then the blacks, Muslims. The then the Irish. Are, then... Or, or, or Bosnia with Muslims and, 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 yes, and so forth and so absolutely. on. It doesn't just affect the victims. It affects the whole society. It shattered the society and, and the lives of both the victims and perpetrators. And the perpetrators. And, and it's, it's the environment of hate which is created that ordinary people, ordinary people start raping and abusing and, you know, systematically killing the, the others, uh, you know, be it Muslims or be it Jews or be it anything else. So Islamophobia right now it's something that we be, need to be combated, not just by Muslims, because their future depends on it, but by everyone, because all our futures are depending on that. But we can't do it while this system of the governments and the media bombarding us and creating and strengthening this level of environment of hate, because this environment of hate affecting all of us. So we need to find the right remedy for addressing things. And we need to do it, all of us together. But I think those of us as Muslims and non-Muslims who understands the dangers of colonial thought and colonial structures, we need to come together to dismantle these colonial structures and create something better in its place, not just trying to massage it or whitewash it and say, now the colonial system is going to um, sort of be reformed to address the needs and aspiration of our generation and the generations to come. That won't happen. We should not allow ourselves to be fooled every generation in, in this way. And then, you know, we have different um, sort of uh, things like what is happening in Gaza or what is happening in South Africa and, and had happened in South Africa and elsewhere. And this momentum should really woke us, wake us up uh, against the colonial legacy and the nature of colonialism.
Do you, do you see, I mean, do you agree with me that we are at an opportune time? Absolutely. And that despite the, uh, the veracity, despite the, the despicable nature of what's happening in Gaza, Gaza was a moment and Gaza caught the attention of ordinary young people who are usually not taken by these, let's say, deep thoughts or very big ideas or the such. But that now we are amid a generation that is seeing what's happening in Gaza, following it hour by hour, and doing their homework, doing their research, and finding out stuff which isn't in the mainstream media. And they are coming out and saying, listen, we've been lied to. We haven't been told the whole truth at best. And at worst, things have been fabricated and given to us as, as entertainment. Now we understand what occupation means. Now we know that the history of Palestine goes back more than 75 years. Now we understand the true nature of Zionism. There is an awakening, in my view at least, from where I'm looking at things. And particularly when you find youngsters who are non-Arab, non-Muslim in many, many cases, and I would go further to say Jews and Jews from Zionist families whose parents are living in Tel Aviv or in some kibbutz or whatever. And they're saying that now, you know, we are seeing things that we were never told. The other day, a friend of mine was talking about um, their neighbor, who's a Jew, and she was sort of hesitant as to how to have a discussion with her. And to her surprise, this Jewish friend of hers comes to her and says, you know, I'm not talking to my family anymore. Because my father says, well, don't believe the news. There aren't that many children killed in Palestine. So this lady, she tells her father, she says, well, in that case, you are justifying those who undermine the figures of the Holocaust victims. If you're willing to so casually undermine the figures of others, such as the Palestinians, meaning from what you're saying, this not being fooled, not being fooled. You feel that we are amid a moment, the cost of which has been absolutely immeasurable. But the prize at the end might be that this is a moment where a real transformative moment might be upon us. Look, I couldn't express it better than you. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, but there is a but here. The but is that uh, we have understood what is going wrong. We have understood the lies that we were being told. We understand that uh, structures like Europeans, West, United States, and so forth are always part of the problem rather than solution. We have even understand that the leadership of Muslims in the Arab world and so forth has really been part of the problems rather than solution. This is something is very clear, and I think is a tremendous gift. Um, I, as a Muslim, think from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the blood of the shuhada have created an awakening, that opportunity. But there is a but here. If we get fooled again, and that, look, this could be done because, uh, you know, all, all we need is two estates, one for them, one for us, you know, let us kiss and hug and, you know, come to an amicable solution. It's only Netanyahu who is the problem uh, and is not, uh, you know, is not some sort of a structural sort of uh, 
um, environment of hate that has infected uh, the Israelis in, in the hard core of it. If we don't understand these things, if we don't understand that there has to be a, 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 a solution that is a one-state solution, everybody, you know, the same way what happened in South Africa, and even better than that, because I, I think there were failures in South Africa. You need to get rid of the apartheid, and then so people could live, you know, begin to put their lives together. We need to do the same thing in occupied Palestine, but with the difference of not the shortcomings of what happened in South Africa regarding land reforms and so forth, on and on and on. But if we don't uh, take up the opportunity to guide towards the right direction, then those colonialists, those infected, diseased uh, otherization and hatred, those people will get involved and we will end up with another problem rather than a real solution. They will hijack the emotions that has been awoken in among us in the same way that they have done it in past, you know, after after uh, uh, sort of uh, Arab Spring. And, and, you know, we have had many opportunities to rise up. I actually think that those of us who have got the understanding and the experiences of, of past need to be involved and need to say that, look, this is not just uh, an issue of the right and left. You know, don't get fooled by the white left uh, who only think that this is an issue of economical injustices. This is, goes much deeper. This is about authorization. This is about colonialism. This is about uh, dismantling the colonial structures and giving people a hope for future, to live together uh, as they did in past. I mean, look, uh, Zionism destroyed uh, the tranquility of uh, Palestine and the whole region. Uh, you know, Muslims, Jews, uh, and others, they were living happily. I mean, we had a, a Jewish neighbor. We, we had a fantastic relation. I, I was born and grew up in that environment. It wasn't hatred, and it doesn't have to be a hatred. But you need to remove this Zionism, you need to remove this colonialism, you need to remove this concept that one group of people have got more rights than or other group of people. Or exactly. This this idea of supremacy. I mean, I I remember um, sort of uh, ten years ago, I took my son in uh, Wembley to um, sort of have a haircut, and the the barber was a Palestinian brother. And uh, while I was there, he was cutting someone's hair who, as the conversation went, I, I realized he's a, from a Jewish community. And I was listening, you know, I, I couldn't help listening. The, this Jewish gentleman uh, was a hardcore Zionist. And he turned around to this Palestinian and said, look, you know, we could have a wonderful uh, future with your muscle power and our intellect oh my word. and our intellect, we could rule the world. I just kept quiet. Oh Eventually word. I said, what you're saying is racist. He said, no, it's a reality, it's, 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 it's the truth. <laughs> you know, this is a reality. Oh my and, I, and I was saying, look, what you're saying is not much different to the supreme race of uh, yeah. Nazis yeah. promoting. But, you know, that sort of ideas need to be 
tackled and need to be undermined, not to allow to sort of uh, people to sort of enforce that sort of hatred and create that environment of hate, which right now is supreme in, in, in occupied Palestine. What you're suggesting is, once again, I like the idea. I very much like it. I think that that's, it's a necessity. I don't think it's just uh, one of the projects on the table. I think it's a necessity. I think that what we need, I would, I would put it, uh, you know, uh, in it's a paradigm shift. We need, a, we need a departure. It's not just a reform. It's not just changing who's in charge. Let's say of the General Assembly of the United Nations. It's not just changing a particular government. We had a dictator called Saddam Hussein. Now we have a thousand dictators uh, ruling Iraq. And, oh, Hosni Mubarak. And and now exactly. And now we have Sisi. So, yeah. so it, it's not the change of faces or names or titles. It's not, as you put it, it's not just removing Netanyahu and then placing another Zionist instead. Maybe a little bit left-wing yeah, yeah, or the yeah. such who says a few, a few good things. It's not about that. We need a change of reality. We need uh, a total shift. But that would require that would require a huge a huge transformation of thinking, of perception. It, it does, but you know, I mean, I mean, look, real changes uh, that the world has ever gone through has always been like that. Yeah. You know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Uh, sends prophets yeah. to bring real change, real not change. massage and yeah, you know yeah. whitewash and you know change one leader. You know, let us not forget that uh, the famous uh, uh, hadith uh, that uh, they they uh, what happened? They offered uh, Prophet Sallallahu um, a, 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 a treaty, and they said that you become the king. Yeah, right. One year we worship your God, one year we worship all our, our gods, right? Now, this offer has never been given to <laughs> us. You know, we never have been given such a good offer, right? We, at most, we are given offer that, you know, one of you or two of you become MP and, 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 uh, and worship our God all the time. Um, and what did the Prophet ﷺ said? That if you put the moon in one hand and the sun in another hand, I would not accept. Why? Not because he was, uh, he had a hatred, having a sort of some sort of treaty. He was committed to create a better and justice society, for as everyone. we should be, for, for everyone. everyone. Right. Rahmatul alameen. Uh, you know, compassion to the, the, all, the all, all creation. All creations, absolutely. Yeah? And so he didn't accept it because he was rahmatul alameen. And, and because he knew that to bring a change, you really need to be in fundamental change. And this is what we should follow. I mean, I actually think that that's a tremendous lesson to us as Muslims, that you can't, by putting someone as a king, even the Prophet in the structure of Taghut, you can't bring solution. You need to change that Taghut. You need to change that into something much fundamental. And I think there's no point of us wasting our youth, our livelihood and everything and chasing shadows and chasing illusions. We need to bring a real change. Coming back to Gaza, um, one of the probably most important Jewish revelations 
um, discoveries that um, this the, the the Western civilization, if you wish, call it that, if you if if you will, um, has been absolutely exposed. Has been absolutely and utterly exposed. It's been left uh, virtually defenseless. Um, we uh, for nigh on two months, over two months, uh, whoever spoke and said the word ceasefire would be sacked. Ceasefire, which is a call to end violence, which is a call to stop shooting at civilians. It's something that any sane person, you don't need to know the person's ideology or religion or faith or tendency or sexual orientation. You don't need to know anything about this. When you find a situation that is violent, where someone is being hurt, the first thing you do, you call for both sides to stop being stop violent. Stop killing. <laughs> stop killing. Yeah. Yet this word in the United Kingdom was a sackable offense. And a number of MPs, a number of ministers actually, were sacked as a result of them calling for a ceasefire. This is to what level we have, you know, the Western world, the compassion of the pinnacle, reading Francis Fukuyama's End of History. You know, you would think that, uh, you know, something like this was unthinkable. When you read The Clash of Civilizations by Huntington, you would assume that the West has reached the end of the line. There is nothing more. There are no more ideas that can come forward. There is nothing more supreme, more high than where we are at in the West. Yet, we saw some of the most... Uh, I, 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 I hesitate to, word, to use the word evil but the most beastly manifestations are being uttered by people who seem to be well-educated, who seem to be neatly and tidily dressed, who seem to be, seem to be coiffured and uh, you know, very well looked after, and they should know better. And they should at least know history better. Now, once again, I go back to what I said earlier. Now, this might be a transformative discovery, but it leaves the world exposed because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you see, now this is where I'm concerned. While that, you and I, I'm sure, will agree that this was something that needed to happen sooner or later. The, these, hypocr these hypocrisies needed to be exposed. These lies needed to be exposed. And people, ordinary people, often non-political or non-engaged in political activity or thought, need to see this, need to realize and understand what we've been saying now for decades. The problem that I have is that simply because human nature dictates that I need to find a power to look towards, I need to find a leader to look towards, we're now looking around and either not finding anything or maybe detecting others that aren't fit to fill that kind of vacuum. So that transformative moment where I'm getting at, whilst much needed, might lead to a phase where there is a little bit of chaos, probably even anarchy, until we find something else. Yes, I, I, think, I think you're right from a point of view that um, now things are much more clear than they were a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. But my argument is that you're absolutely right but um, we are still thinking about uh, how to reform this.
you know, and this is the danger that only if instead of you know, let's bring it to UK, if uh, if the, we had a different leadership in the Conservative Party, yeah. or they if were we out had of a, power and someone uh, else yeah, came, or if we had a different uh, you know leadership in in the Labour Party or other parties, then then it could have been different. No, this this there is a disease in our democracy. And that, uh, you know, like uh, the Arab leaders, uh, politicians now in the West are only concerned with their own political future. They don't care about the economic interest, political interest, interest of the future of humanity or, or anything else. They only concern about their own little political future and they see that in the context of current issue that they need to be supportive of the Zionist entity and their infrastructure and their uh, media empires and everything else because if they go against that they're going to be treated as Jeremy Corbyn would and we need to change that <laughs> concept uh, the only way we're going to change it is that those who have uh, done this, be it Biden or be it Sunak or anyone else, and their political parties need to pay a political price in the next election. If they don't pay a political price for, for disowning the interest of nation, uh, the interests of humanity. It will be justified. Uh, yeah. They, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. It's not an issue of Palestinians' uh, occupation anymore. It's an issue that these people are going to sell their souls and and uh, to to Satan and to uh, evil, and they will go against the interest of their nation, be it economic, political, and they will go against the interest of humanity. I mean, this is what is happening right now. You know, humanity is in a crisis, right? And if we don't hold them accountable politically because they don't care about anything else, then we're going to see more of this. If we don't concentrate on that, which I, I'm really worried that we are not going to be able to do as, um, as, as, as a community, and then we're going to see, unfortunately, even worse scenarios in in future before it gets better better and and you know your um, your expression that chaos and anarchy will set in there has to be other prices to awaken us and awaken the, and what's the, happened in gaza is simply a manifestation of apparently what needs to happen for people to wake up absolutely i mean dozens are paying the price but People are waking up. Uh, it, 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 it brings me to tears very often, um, looking at the price that an innocent child is paying in Gaza for us to wake up. And if we fail to wake up properly, if we just you know come out of one dream and end up in another illusion, then we have actually undermined uh, the, the value of the sacrifice of every Palestinian child and citizens and civilians. And I think that is a huge responsibility on our shoulders. We uh, have to change the system. 
we can't just uh, whitewash it. You, uh, the Islamic Human Rights Commission is about to publish something regarding freedoms in a number of countries, including the UK, France and Germany. And what you've just said has reminded me of something that I read. And I, I, I have to say that at first I thought this is something fabricated. This can't be true. And then it, I realize it's actually true. And I, I am sent the actual document in, 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 in German, Deutsch, and uh, the translation is quite clear that one of the provinces in Germany uh, has begun implementing um, a local legislation by which anyone offered a residency um, has to sign up that they recognize the state of Israel. And I'm thinking to myself, Germany is constantly seen as a country and a nation of people who are highly rational, highly logical, you know, very systematic. We even make fun of their sense of humor, their very dry and non-existent sense of humor because they are so methodical, so logical, so reasonable. How could, how could that happen? How could that happen in a state in Germany telling people, sign on this piece of paper that you recognize the state of Israel? I mean, to be a citizen, to be a, uh, a, a citizen in Germany, in Germany. I mean, what, what yeah. is this? What's happening? It, it, it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. I, I, it, it's, it's not just Germany. I mean, the report that we are doing is covering Britain, France, and Germany. But it's not only just these three countries. Um, it's, it's also, you know, even in Europe, uh, Austria, and others. This is unfortunately a madness that is happening everywhere. I mean, you know, even Britain, you know, uh, somebody holding a placard in Arabic get arrested, then a Zionist attacking rabbis using the terminology of Nazis in front of the police officers, you know, gets away with it. I mean, I, and, and you know, it, it, it's absurd. It really is the Alice in Wonderland. You know? <laughs> really, I, I sort of look at it and say, yeah, how could this happen? But we have allowed this, you know, I, I'll go, you know, because we're living in a democracy. We should have been able to stand against this direction, which is not the direction by one political party or other political party, is the direction of the whole society, be it in Germany, be it in Britain, or be it in France, or anywhere else. It's because we actually have failed to keep um, the society at check point. And, 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 you know, we allow the use of otherization as a... Uh, and politics of fear and politics of racism, Islamophobia, to actually become so prominent that we are seeing what, what is happening. And it's not in one arena, you know, in our education, in our, everywhere, you know, in our employment and so forth and so on. So I, I would say that, yes, uh, we are at the opportunist moment. There is an opportunity. There is an awakening. But let us not lose it as we has done, as we have done as the human race, in, in other opportunities, be it the, the sort of uh, Arab Spring or you know what happened with um, Iraq and the war and, and Afghanistan and so forth. We have seen so many sort of uh, moments 
in man's history, in our lifetime, which there was an opportunity for us to really wake up, you know. I mean, you know, United States is spending four uh, presidents, you know, so much billions and removing um, Taliban to replace it with Taliban. I mean, this, you know, you can't write jokes like this, you know. But these are the reality that has happened and we have failed to wake up. Let us not lose this opportunity. Let us be sincere to innocent life of Palestinian children who are giving their blood to awaken us, to bring a real change rather than an illusion. How do you see the future of this country? From the political point of view, do you see, I mean, there is absolutely, there is, we can feel, we can see an outcry. Um, against the failure of politicians to um, say the word, say the word, you know, just say the word, say the word ceasefire. Um, there's a condemnation, which is society-wide, of the policies of Britain in giving succor to the state of Israel and to Zionism without condition. Um, but will this actually lead to anything? And who... And how, let's say, who, not the who, but uh, how, how is it that we can capture this particular moment, capture this particular vigor, this enthusiasm, this awareness, so that it remains? If we don't allow for a few months, maybe a year or two to pass, and then it becomes a distant memory, and then we have to restart again, we have to have another human, human tragedy or crisis for it to restart. How do we capture the moment? Yeah, that that is that is really a key thing. You remember um, at the time of Iraq War, um, how we were out in the streets. You know, both of us were uh, on the stage, uh, stopped the war, and and how much energy we put into that. But the fact is this: that we failed to enforce that sort of direction, which was taken illegal war, a war which actually only brought death and destruction, not just to Iraq, but everywhere else. And it created what we have right now. We failed to stop it. We failed to stop the politicians. If we fail now to stop the politicians going the direction that they're going, they don't give a damn about humanity, about their own citizens, about the people who are voting for them, and they call it the democracy. If we don't, if you're not able to capture that and let's say punish the politicians for ignoring democracy, ignoring concept of justice, ignoring humanity, then we are going to see much worse. And I think what we need to do when it comes to the next election, forget about this the prejudices that I'm a labor man, I'm a conservative man, I'm this man, I'm that man. We need to reform our system. So anyone who has taken the route of uh, disaster, as many of our politicians have taken, needs to be punished in the ballot box. And it doesn't matter what other fool is replace them, but they need to be replaced. Only then we are going to see a change within the political system that people reform them to listen to concept of justice, to listen to con the, the wishes 
of their constituency because at the moment they don't really give a damn about the constituency or the concept of justice or the concept of humanity. It's very clear. So how can we change it? We need to remove all those people. Even if you remove them and have someone equally as bad, still, that's the first step. If we fail to do that, we're going to be here another 10 years time. My life won't probably give that opportunity, but we will, other generations and so forth will be sitting with myself or yourself or in our place and will arguing the, the same, same things, same points again and again, because the problem is not individuals, is not um, you know who is in charge of different political parties. The problem is their um, uh, unwillingness to listen to concept of justice, humanity, or what is right. They only care about their political future, and their political future is guaranteed by other things other than uh, the community at large. Jazakallah khair, Mr. That was excellent. Thank you.